WBEZ is supported by Chicago Humanities, presenting live events with historians Doris Kearns Goodwin and John Meacham, comedian Reggie Watts, and filmmaker Miranda July, and artists Hebrew Brantley and Amanda Williams in conversation. Plus, MSNBC chief correspondent Ali Velshi on small yet powerful acts of courage throughout history. Tickets for these events and more conversations on arts, culture, and current affairs at chicagohumanities.org. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. Between Instagram, TikTok, all the social media sites, it can really feel like we're so connected to the rest of the world. But I feel like that sometimes comes at the expense of our actual physical community, which makes me want to talk to people who make it their business to invest in the people and spaces around them. Well, imagine driving down Cicero Avenue on your way to Midway Airport, and you may have seen lately in the last 12 or so years, 40 acres of vacant land. This is Sarah Elizabeth Ippel. She's the CEO of Cultivate Collective, which is a new community hub on the Southwest side. They worked with the Chicago Housing Authority to redevelop the former LeClaire Court's public housing site. That's the vacant land she's talking about. I talked to Sarah Elizabeth and Nakenya Collins, the board director of Cultivate Collective, about how they're revitalizing their community. Here's Nakenya. It's kind of the open up our community to not only residents who have been there long term, but also those who were displaced when the housing project was uh, torn down, as well as to bring in the rest of Chicago and hopefully the world to be an example. There used to be a low-rise public housing site there, and the Chicago Housing Authority finished demolishing that back in 2011. Right now, Cultivate Collective is focused on providing direct resources to their neighbors through the community hub. And let me tell you, this hub has it all. A federally qualified healthcare center, a public school, a Head Start center, six different teaching kitchens, community wellness facilities, a neighborhood fresh food marketplace, and soon over three acres of land outside the building is going to be developed into farming, apiaries, orchards, neighborhood walking trails. Plus, they're leaning deeply into environmental justice. We'll get to that a little later. But to me, the most unique part of this project is that it's all built around a school the Academy for Global Citizenship. So they're trying to build prosperity in their neighborhood, starting with the youngins. The way Nakenya and Sarah Elizabeth talk about their community is so endearing. So I asked Nakenya to introduce me to LeClaire Courts. First of all, I was born in that community. Five generations of my family have gone through uh, our little bungalow. They literally purchased that home the month that I was born. And so my grandparents, my mom and her siblings, myself and my siblings, my kids, and now my grandkids have been in that home. So we've seen a lot of changes throughout the decades, of course. And one of the biggest factors is that although LeClaire Courts was a beautiful, amazing community, uh, most of the residents will describe it as family. That's what you're going to hear over and over again. It was a big family Mm. because everyone knew each other. Everyone took care of each other. We partied together. We cried together. We celebrated everything together. But we lacked a lot of resources because being on the southwest side, being kind of hidden on the other side of Cicero, on the other side of I-55, surrounded by industrial factories and having Midway Airport not too far away, we're just kind of tucked and hidden. And so we have to drive 15 minutes to get 
any critical resources where mm. there it was a good education, quality health care, or a good grocery store. It was a long drive. Myself, I was a gifted child. And so in order to access a a good school, good quality education, I was supported over to the north side to attend Alexander Graham Bell's gifted school and then Lincoln Park High School. In order to do that, I had to take two buses and two trains. <laughs> so that's a long ride yeah. for a 9, 10, 11 year old. Hmm. Um, Sarah Elizabeth, Nakenia mentioned that this community is surrounded by industrial buildings. And we know that that can have a big environmental impact on the community. Can you get a little bit more into that? How does that come into play as you start to prioritize environmental um, justice in your work? Yeah, well, this is, you're spot on. I mean, this has been an embedded part of the Academy for Global Citizenship's model, right, for almost 20 years. Environmental sustainability has been part of what we believe our young people need to learn about as social justice activists, right, and leaders. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we believe that we are cultivating the next generation of leaders and that this is going to be a very important pillar for them to, you know, be understanding and embracing their role in the world. Um, but, but, you know, the NRDC and others um, have conducted thorough analyses, not just in places like Chicago, um, but all over the country. And what, what, we, what we've seen when you look at these maps, you look at these maps of the air quality in Chicago, um, it's not shocking that you see a high correlation between communities of color um, and poor air quality. And when you look at our community on the southwest side, Leclerc Courts, you see an entire area of red. And, you know, the, 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 the level of um, kind of industrial development that's been placed in our neighborhood has disproportionately and negatively impacted the air quality in our community. So this has even, you know, further kind of emphasized and underscored our commitment to sustainability to take this to a completely new level. Mm -hmm. Rather than just building a green building, we decided, right, we had this mandate that we were going to be the first ones to reverse uh, not relying on any fossil fuels and, um, you know, creating more energy through clean renewable sources than we use. I mean, these are some pretty substantial and, and, and challenging things to achieve in a climate region like Chicago. Um, but we've just, uh, you know, proven that that we can do this and we believe that we must do this. Yeah, absolutely. And from a quali quality of living standpoint, being a, a long term community resident, I can attest to that there are days when there is a thick smell in the air and it's, it smells like chemicals. It smells like rotten waste. <laughs> and you're waking up and you're inhaling that day in, day out. Can you imagine what that does to your mood? And it's getting embedded in your clothing. And, and that's what our children are being exposed to. That's what our elders are being exposed to. And this is not every day, but it's, it's more than um, often. <laughs> so um, having an, an intentional project like Cultivate Collective, where we are focused so much on that environmental justice piece is exciting. Um, and then to have that be an example for our children to start learning how they can contribute to that. It, it's amazing to me. I'm hearing so much 
of this intergenerational component here through the board and, and some of the goals of Cultivate Collective, I I would love to hear either of or both of you talk about like how you're seeing that already kind of interplay. I know that um, it can be such a beautiful thing to see, right? Different people learning from each other and, and really valuing each other's perspectives. It can also be challenging. Um, because, you know, people, they have they have their way and, you know, and, and, and this is young people, too. Right. <laughs> and they don't want to be open, you know, and it's a stereotype for older adults as well. So I guess I'm just curious, like how you've seen that um, really serve the mission that, that you have for Cultivate Collective. Well, in some ways, it's exciting. I feel like we're we're just we've got so much momentum and we've got such a, you know, a track record of what's contributed to the two decades. Right. Um, and at the same time, it's such an exciting moment because we now have access to this facility. And so last week we had sort of an ad hoc ladies of Leclerc Court's dinner party. It was mm-hmm. so much fun. Um, yes. It was like the most <laughs> epic woman in our neighborhood coming together and having a dinner. And it was just so amazing, not only to hear everyone's stories, but to learn about the passions that people have for how they want to give back, right? We have Letitia, um, who is just this, you know, just has an incredible passion for mentorship. Um, And Melissa and Felicia, for example, who have been already doing so much work in the community around kind of mentoring and supporting young women. And so to get all of these brains in a room, um, thinking about sort of what kinds of programs we can be creating together was just so powerful, right? Mm -hmm. To think about the wisdom and the passion that this group of um, elders, if you will, I guess when we're talking about the next generation, you know, kind of passing on and going back to our roots, right? Our Leclerc Court roots of being a family. You know, we heard these stories, we we, we heard stories last week of how you know, how annoying it was to grow up where the moment you told something to someone, right? Somebody gave the example of, I went to go see the nurse. And then uh, by the time I walked two doors down, my mom had already learned the news that I had talked to the nurse about how annoying it was to kind of grow up, but had this sense of joy, right? That it was like, how beautiful that everybody knew everyone's business. And it, it, it could be, yeah. it could be challenging, but also like, what a beautiful feeling to feel like everyone has your back. Exactly. You know, we hear all the time, it takes a village, it takes a village, but that's something that has been missing in the world. You know, we've gotten away from that. And I think that that dinner was just one of many opportunities that Cultivate Collective has to start bringing that sense of village and family back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about replicating and scaling the work that you're doing. Um it feels so localized and specific to this community, which seems extremely necessary for the model that you're working within. But I heard you talking earlier, Sarah Elizabeth, about, you know, this getting out into the masses as well. Um, How would that look? We are so intentional about believing in the power of placed-based work, especially when it comes to these sorts of models. And so... Uh, we have a, 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 a strong vision for replication and scale, but it's not through kind of a traditional method. It's not about Nakenya and I or anyone else from our team going to Detroit or going to another part of our country and arriving and saying, okay, we're going to launch a Cultivate Collective here. But instead, it's about welcoming the world in. Um, and we have really 
um, specific sort of structural avenues for supporting other communities, supporting other community leaders, um, and sort of adopting these best practices and looking at ways that they can be adapting the model to their beautiful asset-based, you know, kind of local context. And so um, we, in our second phase, because there has been so much interest in how we can share the model, we're actually building an entire learning laboratory. It's actually going to be an institute and a place that will house these workshops and professional developments and these convenings and these, um, you know, opportunities for leaders and for uh you know, policymakers from all sorts of individuals to come and be immersed um, and, and to come for these trainings. I know that it's been a few weeks since your ribbon cutting. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And secondly, I just would love to hear some more stories about how it's going. Um, Nakenia, is there is there something that you've engaged with in the last few weeks where you're like, wow, we just launched this and and already, you know, this was such a great interaction or a thing that I noticed? Well, we did have our inaugural open house where we officially welcomed community members to come in, learn about the different agencies that are partnering with Cultivate Collective and just kind of uh, network and commune with one another over a good meal. Yeah. <laughs> and that went exceptionally well. I couldn't be more pleased. Um, so I, I think that event is probably the catalyst to kind of start spreading the word throughout the community, what Cultivate is and how it can be embraced um, by the larger community and everyone can start coming in. Um, so that that's my hope. That's the goal is that we can get more of the community to start engaging with the building and with the programs that we are hosting. Um, but I was very excited about the turnout that we received, the feedback that we received, the excitement that I heard from some of the uh, residents, long-term residents that were returning and just to see the gym inside Cultivate Collective. And one of the young men who attended, he started tearing up because he remembers how we did not have something that looked like that when we were coming up. We had the field house at the park district, but nothing on that caliber. Mm -hmm. And so just to have that resource, he started tearing up. He was like, wow, where would we be if we had something like this when mm -hmm. we were younger? Wow. And yeah, so that was really powerful. Yeah. Um, Nakenia, how... When, when you're thinking about your family and your, your family history and, and the people who are currently there in that in that family house, how do you see your own self and your own family engaging as long term residents um, with Cultivate Collective? Well, it gives us an anchor in the community. You know, I, I see a lot of people thinking about selling their homes, especially as different um, family members are growing up and they have their own interests and they're starting to leave the community. It gives you a reason to stay. It gives mm -hmm. you a reason to start um, building that generational wealth and passing down that generational knowledge to the next. Um, so I, I think that that's been the biggest impact on my family is knowing that we have this home here. There's no reason to leave now that we have some of the resources and my kids can benefit from it. My grandkids and hopefully one day my great grandkids can benefit yes. from it as well. Sarah, Elizabeth, anything you're noticing in these first few weeks? Oh, I would just say that it is so 
inspiring to see the wealth of wisdom and hope and audacity and ambition and ideas. <laughs> like there is no shortage. Like if we wanted to create kind of an events calendar of like every moment of every day, tapping into a leader in our community, whether it's Nakenya teaching, you know, we have a teaching kitchen and Nakenya is a chef, whether it's Antoine teaching a healing meditation or yoga class, whether it's Ms. Val, uh, Nakenya's mom doing something with herbs and essential oils and healing teas, like, oh my goodness, there's just so much wisdom and so yes. much passion and it's incredible i mean i think it's that in and of itself is a replicable lesson right if communities are feeling like how do we do something that, like this in our own neighborhood and we're really excited to grow cultivate collective so that we can catalyze on this passion and this this excitement for passing on this knowledge and kind of rebuilding a sense of community Sarah Elizabeth Ippel is the CEO of Cultivate Collective, and Nakenya Collins is the board president of Cultivate Collective. Sarah Elizabeth Nakenya, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can learn more about Cultivate Collective at cultivate-collective.org. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. If you love the show, rate the show, review us. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>